All right. We're live, man. The first ever all-star MMA live show, you know. Um, what can I say, man? It's it's a long time overdue. We were, we were planning to do this show a while back, and, uh, you know, things happen. But we're here. We're now. I have Dan. Dan is the special guest fighter slash analyst. Dan, first off, how do you feel about being this analyst role, you know, putting this hat on? You know, because you've done this in the past, like little bits and pieces, right? I have, I have like very, I have extremely like mixed emotions about uh, like an analyst spot or like, uh, I don't know, like talking about the sport in general, just because, just because I know, I know like what actually gets like attention in this game and what I am passionate about. And the two, the two like coming together um, give me very mixed emotions because I don't like talking about the people. I don't like uh, like the clickbait headlines. That's just the that's just a part of it. I <laughs> click on the clickbait headlines, so I'm not saying that I'm above anyone else. Like I click on the clickbait headlines. Conor McGregor's on this and doing this and that as much as anybody else, just because it, it like appeals to to human instinct. But it like muddles what I'm truly passionate about, which is is the sport. I remember like when I first started um, in the sport, which was like very far between. You would have to read like an article. It would just be like GSP does an interview and there's an article. And you would take like a sentence out of that article where he says, oh, I do this training and that training. And then you would, you would mimic it or you would copy it. Now there's like unprecedented access to fighters um on their social media and there's just like they all have youtube channels and it's like countless amounts of information and rather than asking like technical breakdowns you know they're just like oh pick win or lose and oh why oh why do you hate that guy or well, this guy said this about you so it's like very mixed because i don't want to just be like another um like people were saying oh you know you want to finish fighting you could just get into you know commentary or, or have a youtube channel or something like that i would be interested in doing it if it was like if people were legit interested in like technical breakdowns i would mm -hmm. be into it but they're but they're not like it's uh and it's like the the funniest thing to me as well because like a technical legit technical breakdown of like a fight or a fighter takes forever and because I did it, like there was a time when I did it, like super long technical breakdowns. Yeah. I was just like, man, like study this fight, spend five hours watching one fight, watch it 10 times, like just watch, watch, watch. Oh, okay, this guy does this. Do a video, like, okay, um, Aldo circles this way, like Chad Mendes is going to look for this countdown, like two likes. It's, you're going to get two likes out of that one. And then you just, you do another video and you're just like, check this knockout out. Well, boom, like I picked this guy because his hair is red. 1,000 likes. It's not even close. <laughs> like, you know, the, the one that gets uh, draws the most attention or it's just uh, it's just like human nature, just like, like fast paced. Just give it. I don't care about the technique. I don't care about tell me who's going to win and give me one sentence as to why they're going to win. So it's uh, it's a big internal internal struggle between well, me and myself 
with this show, you know, we're going to try to mix that up. You know I mean? We're going to get into the technical side and, and, you know, and, and mix it up with the other stuff as well, you know, make it entertaining as possible. Uh, the people that are in the chat, keep bringing the comments, the questions for Dan, for, you know, about the fights, what's next for the main event fighters, all of that good stuff. And we're going to discuss all of that. Um, let's jump into it right away, Dan. Um, Strickland versus Hermanson. We just saw them go 25 minutes. Initial thoughts on Strickland, you know, just his skill set, his stance. You know, I mean, let's get to the technical side, right? Like just how he fights, man. It's 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 unique, right? It is very unique. Like he has that like low lead hand. Um rather than rather than carrying the jab or, or measuring his distance um with his lead hand, which a lot of fighters do, hold like a long lead hand, paw and jab, which will Jack Manson was was fighting like that. Like he'll just have that low lead hand, sharp eyes. Like to to have that kind of style where your lead hand is is like in here and that tight and that low, you have to have a good gauge of distance, which he obviously does have because he spends like as he says, he all he does is spar. Like he he spends his time sparring um, a majority of the time, so he's getting those reflexes and getting um, those kind of reactions, sharp jab. And just working off that jab, like everything comes um, comes off of that jab, and that was just a that was dominant. That was a that was a very that was a very dominant um, display from that fight. Just controlling the entire tempo, he controlled the fight with his jab. Um, I know there was a split decision. I'm not going to get like too much into that. Like I'm not. I'm not super offended by that because strickland although i feel like it was dominant and he was controlling it uh yeah he never he he didn't have to come out of first or second gear he was in like first or second gear the entire fight controlling it jack Manson had a higher work rate like that guy was in the fight he was pushing the takedowns he was throwing more kicks like he was definitely working harder like jack Manson was was in fourth or fifth gear for a majority of that fight, um, whereas Sean was just getting away with coasting. So I can understand it because the work rate was there. There's like one guy was obviously working harder to try and get the win, but it just wasn't enough. He was being he was being outclassed and uh, controlled by the jab. Do you think if you know Hermanson would have won this fight right on the judges' score? Oh, man, oh, would, that, would that be justified in your eyes? Would that be justified? Oh, then it would have been it would have been a bit much for me. But I could de- I could definitely I could definitely understand it. I could definitely um, just because Jack Manson like the the amount of effort like he was putting into it. And it's funny when you're sitting there like it's so different. Just because while I was in Vegas, I spent so much time um actually in the apex like watching contender series like watching these fights uh compared with watching on the tv and it is so different being um cage side as opposed to watching something on the television because you can definitely like see the strike but it's different when you're in the apex and you're cage side and you can like hear you can hear the strikes land like you might on TV, you're like, what? That's why did that guy? Even the uh, Figueroa Moreno one, mm-hmm. that that is a big one 
for me because a lot of people are like, man, you know, Moreno was in that fight and this and that. But obviously the judges there that like they can hear it like it's like it's like that. It's like when a fist like bounces off a guy's head, it's it's loud. It's not uh it's not a quiet thing whatsoever. So when you are sitting cage side and you can hear that leg kick, um, and you can see like the subtle things where a guy like doesn't react, he doesn't do like a big thing, but he'll pause for a second, or his jaw will clench, or like the corner of his eye will squint. <laughs> it's it's just a whole it's just a whole different ball game. So I'm always try not to be like hypercritical of judges when they give um, a decision one way or another because it is a completely different world um, when you are sitting cage side. And maybe that's not even an answer to like the judging is or have a clearer thing. It's maybe it's maybe add some things to the broadcast that give the fan uh a deeper a deeper idea of what's going on i don't know whether that's put a mic on the like uh something that picks up the sound of those shots landing on the referee or or something like that where you can really pick up that subtle stuff or really hear that in-person um kind of crash or crunch or reaction which you just cannot uh you just cannot see on the tv at the moment yeah, it's you know, I think people are up in arms about the the decision. They're not up in arms about the decision. They're just up in arms that it was a split decision. But you gave a great uh, analysis of why you felt like you weren't up, you know, offended by the split decision. But a lot of people are offended by split decisions, and they just think judging is a major problem. And I don't know. There's things that you can change with the judging, but like you said, the environment most likely changes what the judges see and hearing things also can sway a judge, you know, for, for a certain round or, or for, for certain attacks or, you know what I mean? Like leg kicks, you know, like maybe a leg kick, you hit, hit the calf. It doesn't sound that loud, but you hit the thigh, but there's more damage to the calf. You know, do, do judges, should judges think about that? It's just incredibly hard to uh, like qualify, uh, like quantify that kind of damage. Like when you're sitting cage side, unless like that leg starts to get red or the guy, one guy's like bleeding and the other guy's not bleeding. It's very hard to quantify. I know like one idea that people have had is that, you know, only, only X fighters should be um, judging fights. Like that should be the only person. But then that brings in, I feel like that brings in a whole, that's like a whole new kettle of fish where, um, no one can go through a, a decade-long or two-decade-long martial arts career and not have any kind of conflict of resolution, uh, conflict of um, resolution, like resonate with them. There's going to be some kind of conflict. You would have trained with one gym. You would have been affiliated, like your Gracie affiliate, and then a, like an affiliate guy who rolls with your old coaches is getting out there in the ring. Like obviously, you're going to have some kind of bias towards that fighter. So like in saying that x fighters would be better judges yes i do believe that but would there be a lot of conflict of interest that's undeniable yeah that is undeniable now um you know a lot of people are thinking like where does sean strickland go from here you know i mean he's on a a pretty decent streak he's beaten he just beat the number six guy he's sitting at number seven Ahead of me, ahead of him is like Paulo Costa. You got Brunson, Cannoneer, Vittori. 
Uh, Whitaker is going to fight next weekend against your teammate. You know, um, I believe Brunson is matched up against Cannonier. What do you think? Do you feel like um, the names that stand out to me is either Paulo Costa or or Marvin Vittori? What what matchup do you feel like would be best for Strickland next? Yeah, either though, like he didn't. I didn't watch the post fight, but he's you know in the in the um, in the ring. You know, he didn't. He didn't stake like a strong claim he wasn't just like i am i am next for the title like i'm throwing um my name in the hat like you can't deny me i'm fighting for the title next so i really feel like you're gonna have to see how those fights play out with um israel and rob and then the the cannoneer brunson fight before you're gonna kind of um be able to hitch kind of strickland's uh wagon to any kind of car you know he, he's gonna have to see how those fights play out you know if brunson cannoneer is just the absolute worst fight anyone has ever seen in their life like you don't know i'm just it's obvious i don't feel like it's going to be but if it's just obviously or something crazy you know then maybe sean strickland could be next so he doesn't want to he doesn't want to pull out um uh, pick a name just yet because he's still he's still i feel like a dark horse in the division but he's definitely still in with a chance at getting an opportunity um for a title shot yeah i think that's a great point he he needs to just sit back like he i think that's the smart move for him not to target anybody because look what just happened with the korean zombie you know i mean he was sitting at what number six himself Mm. and then Mm. the stars just aligned for him man injuries happen certain fighters ahead of him lost and then now he's fighting for the title sean strickland could be in the same situation right oh for sure for sure that's why it would be um very silly for him to call for a name of anyone besides the guy that that uh wins gold next weekend without a doubt yeah it was a his his style and approach is um like doing so well at the moment because he's like so heavy sparring, like he spends so much time sparring. The, the, the only problem with that, if, look, if I could spar every day, I would. If I could, if all I had to do was like, sparring is my absolute favorite thing to do. Um, like when I have a fight, or when I don't have a fight, it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing in the world to do is get out there and spar. Like if all I had to do was spar to train for fights, like this would be the easiest job in the world. It's just there's a there's a big downside to it. Um, if you're sparring that much or, or only sparring, you're only ever working on things that you're good at. Or if you're sparring hard, which I have seen Sean Strickland spar uh, in Las Vegas, and he spars hard, and that just means you can't work on you're like unable to work on anything new, which makes it very hard for you to improve your game. Like even though he's had um, incredible performances and this is like what five or six fights in a row uh his recent streak he's looked very similar his style looks incredibly similar in all of those fights just because it's so di- like it's difficult to oh man you know what? i'm gonna switch stance or i'm gonna i'm gonna work this attack or i'm gonna work like something new i've never worked before when the guy opposing you is trying to take your head off like the guy's trying to take your head off well, damn, I'm going to keep my defense tight. I'm going to work behind my jab and, and add my right hand every now and then, which he does. Like, he does a phenomenal job of that. But, you know, then you kind of, your growth as a fighter kind of stagnates. Like, you're, you're yeah, 
you're never you're never adding new tools into your game to to do that um you have to drill and then you have to take that drilling and move that onto pad work and then once you've um, advance it in the pad work, or then you can do it with um, a bit lighter sparring, or if you're doing some like technical sparring, you can try something new because of it. If you make a mistake, or if you miss your mark, or if you overreach, you don't have to worry about the other guy kicking you in the face and knocking you unconscious and you having to take a couple of months off training. But um, yeah, so I just feel like his his style under the current system is doing a phenomenal job i would just say that's the concern with it and that's the concern for like young fighters emulating that is that it's just very difficult to to show any kind of development or any kind of growth um yeah if you're getting if you're getting people are trying to kill you in the gym every single day (laughs) (laughs) um dave man shout out to dave he's the one who does the art for us he did the art member before and uh Dave is a uh, really good. He has a good, great question. He says, "How much sway or say do coaches have in your sparring and in what you're working on?" Uh like massive, massive. They have a huge influence. Um, uh, like our sparring at, at City Kickboxing is like very controlled. The mat is um, like we don't even like restrict the weight. Uh, like Kai will spar with Junior Far, who's uh like a heavyweight just for uh joseph parker like a heavyweight professional boxer you know kai will spar with him and and it's supposed to be kept like light enough that those two are, are able to spar one another um yeah i would say our sparring is very controlled and technical twice a week um headgear is uh like a must 16 ounce gloves are a must you know so it's um yeah, it's a very different world from what I've seen in Las Vegas. It's it's the small gloves. There's no big gloves firing, small gloves only, no headgear. Like, it's just, um, yeah, you can do some pretty serious damage with those with those smaller gloves, especially if guys are not close teammates or really trying to um, look out for one another. So you have to be careful. But, yeah, if, if you know, my, my trainers watch all of my sparring, they record all of my sparring. They, you know, talk about it amongst each other. So, yeah, if I'm just out there being an idiot, like, they'll um, give me a real knock on the head and just be like, like what what were you trying to accomplish for that? Every every one of our sparring sessions has an, has an objective for sure. You, you just mentioned that your coaches record your sparring and, and look at it and, and dissect it and then give you feedback. You know, just recently we just saw like former teammates uh, fight each other, and then Ganu and uh, Cyril gone, and uh, old footage leaked out, or not leaked out, but it was given to like ESPN or some one of the big major networks, and they released it. What do you think about that, man? Is that something that should always stay in the gym, or do you not have a problem with like sparring footage from the past being leaked out? Um. Yes and no. Like people were so intrigued by it. Like people would have, people would have just that would have just been like the endless questions of the fight. I feel like that was a huge um, tool in promoting that fight. I feel like a majority of people that clicked on that pay per view saw the sparring footage. Like I feel like that was a huge. That was the the real storyline of that fight. 
was that they used to be teammates. And then they had everyone um, leading into the fight just asking, well, what happened when they trained? Well, what happened when they trained? Well, better than me sitting there and explaining it, how about how about I show you? So I feel like it was more in that particular instance used to promote the fight. Um, whereas, you know, Gain is not uh, a big shit talker. He's not going to get out there and, and mouth off or anything like that. So I feel like it was a very, uh, in that instance, was a very useful tool you that was used um, to promote the fight. I don't care too much i know there's years and years of of when i used to um before i was at city kickboxing like that i feel like that's a whole different kettle of fish like that would that kind of footage would never get released but our you know my my sparring has been videoed for years like overseas like people pull out cameras and video you and inspire you like i'm not i feel like i'm a versatile enough fighter that i can change things or someone watches spying on me from five years ago, I'm, I'm adamant that my ability would have improved in that amount of time or I can show like a new feather in my cap and a new um, added part of my game for sure. But yeah, it just comes down to, to who you train with and, and who you trust. All right, going back to the, uh, to the, to the main event, you know, Sean Strickland versus uh, Jack Hermanson. Uh, some breaking news. We got early odds for his next fight. You know, if he does fight Vittori, Vittori's favored, minus 125. Strickland is plus 110. Um, if you go to the link in the description, you guys could go to CloudBet, you know, throw some money on that if you want to. Um, yeah, so um, it's an affiliate link, so just click on it and, and you guys can do that if you if you please. Um, yeah, so going back to Jack Hermanson, you know, and, and Sean Strickland, Sean Strickland, like you said earlier, he can sit back and kind of pick and choose like what he wants to do next. Where does Jack go? You know, what I mean, Jack has kind of, you know, uh, he's beaten some good guys. He's lost to some good guys. He's in kind of a limbo situation. He's still a top 10 fighter. What do you think for him next? Same boat, same boat. Um that Strickland's in right now, like that was a close fight on paper. That's a split decision. Jack didn't get awfully beat up. Um, he was pressing the fight. He was working hard. He definitely, uh, like his numbers going to drop like what, like one spot. Like they're going to switch around one spot. So I feel like he's in the exact same spot as Strickland. Like he can just sit back um, and then potentially take a loser off of that fight, potentially take a loser off the main event of next weekend or the loser of Brunson Cannonier is a definite uh, opportunity for him and get that fight out of the way and he's straight back into the mix. So I feel like, yeah, no real stock was lost from Jack Hermanson there. You know, he was not, he just didn't, he just wasn't able to implement his game. And then that was just um, Strickland, Strickland controlled the fight and, and took the fight where he was very comfortable. Um, moving on to the Coleman event, uh, Nick Maximoff, uh, uh, Nick Diaz, disciple versus Puna Soriano. Uh, um, it was a split decision win, man. What'd you think about that fight? I, I thought that Puna did the most damage. You know what I mean? When I look at that fight, I think Puna did the most damage and Nick, he did a good job controlling the fight, but didn't do much damage. And the, what the judges saw is that they picked control over damage. What'd you see in the fight? 
Yeah, too much control time. Too much control time. That second and third round was just uh, like insurmountable. Don't get me wrong. Like Puna, a, he's got a massive future in the sport. Like great guy. Uh, I saw him around the, the Performance Institute nonstop while we were in Las Vegas. Like he's a very, very friendly face. And I don't feel like this damaged his stock whatsoever. Like coming into his first co-main uh, co event. Give him another banger and he'll just be right back in the mix. Like uh, UFC loves people that come out there, plant their feet and try to take your head off. Like that is incredibly rewarded within <laughs> the higher brass of the UFC because that's what, uh, that's really the kind of fighter that puts bums on seat. So I'm, I really don't feel like his stock is going to fall at all in that fight. But yeah, it just comes down to control time. The, although a lot of damage was done, that damage was done um, in the first round with that knee and then a few heavy punches that were landed. Um, but yeah, it was just too few and far between coming into that second and third round, um, which were, yeah, clearly, clearly dominated. But still, I don't feel like, I don't feel like um, Puna's lost any stock with anyone. Yeah, Maximoff, man, he did a good job after he got hurt, after he got cut, to just focus on his strengths, right, and 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 pull out the victory. I felt like he proved a lot in that in that fight where he was hurt, and most guys, or not most guys, but some guys, when they get hurt, they just start to kind of throw everything out the kitchen sink and start to brawl with 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 the other guy, right, and then that ends up getting them in trouble. Nick. He did a good job of just kind of focusing on his wrestling, focusing on his strengths, and and got the victory. Man, I didn't agree with the decision, but I see where the the judges, you know, you know, got the decision from for Nick. But um, what do you think about Nick? You know, what I mean, like he's he's two fights deep. He's two and zero. Oh, you know, what I mean, he seems like he's uh, one of the the Nate Diaz disciples that are actually pretty good. You know, what I mean, compared to the other guys that fought in the UFC. <laughs> Yeah, no, he does. Like, uh, undefeated, that's like, yeah, the kind of the crux of it and having some pretty incredibly famous friends is that you might get um, a bit too much too soon. But no, he's he looks, that was good. That was good matchmaking in, in that fight. It wasn't too big of a step up um, in competition for a co-man event. I feel like that was, a, that was a very, it was an incredibly entertaining fight. So, yeah, you get the win. You go on to b bigger and better things. There's no, there's no doubting that within the UFC. Yeah, and a uh, Darby Crash man, he or he or she, I don't know for sure who a Darby is. Darby a woman's name, you think, or a man's name? I think that's a man's name. Okay. Darby. Okay, Darby. Um, what's the deal with this being the last fight on Strickland's contract? I don't know if it's the last fight on Strickland's contract. Maybe it is. But have you you've noticed this, right, Dan? That a lot of guys, a lot of fighters, are fighting out their contracts nowadays. It's not something new. It's something that's been happening over the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, risk and reward for sure. Fighting out your contract is definitely a risk versus reward you if he has fought out his contract and it was let's say a five or six fight contract and he's now five or six and oh that puts him in a phenomenal position for negotiation to go out there and test the free market see if there's an offer which the ufc um would be willing to match like that's the real that's the real crux of the situation but on that same boat you you go to fight out your contract you get your head taken off in, in 10 seconds while your dollar value 
has significantly decreased. So it's a it's risk and reward um, in this sport. So it's it's cool to see. It's like a it's like an added it's like an added layer of excitement to the sport, which a majority of the, like the hardcores know. Like <laughs> the hardcores know how many fights a guy has left on his contract and what kind of mental position that that guy was in. Like that that definitely added some tension. Like that whole back and forth with the UFC for Francis Ngannou definitely added a lot of anticipation into that fight. Um, it's not the same when you're like a no-name fighter and no one really knows who you are and you're lower down uh, in the rankings and you have to go out there and push the fight and take some damage and put on these like wild brawls. Like, wow, uh, what was the earlier one? Steven, it... Stevenson and Erosa? Yeah, Steven, Stevenson and Erosa. Like, you've got to go yeah. out there and just try to kill each other, and which they did, like an incredible amount of damage. But as the fights progress and you progress your career and you build the name and you're in a main event and you're fighting for a world title, like um, it doesn't have to be like these wild, crazy fights, which the game and the Ngannou fight like wasn't because the fans are already on the edge of their seat and they've got so much anticipation for the fight because they're like, Francis Ngannou's going to lose millions of dollars and get cut by the UFC. So that that in itself is enough excitement to get the fans involved and sitting on the edge of their seats. They don't have to go out there and throw wild crazy and get beaten up and bashed. Like, so it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, it, that's like another crux. Like as you, as you move your way up the ranks and you're fighting in main events and co-main events, it comes down, um, to more of just sharing your story, like the fans are just uh, very intrigued in your story and what's happened in your camp and what's going on outside of the ring and what's happening with your contract because it all adds like intrigue into the fight. For sure. For the people, you know, watching right now live, make sure, you know, you keep on putting those comments in there, questions for Dan, uh, and also go follow us on uh, Twitter. If you look at the, the the ticker down there it shows you all the twitter handles and and instagrams and of course go follow dan if you haven't followed dan yet and subscribe to this i think if you want to put a a a a question or a comment in the chat you have to be subscribed to the youtube channel so make sure you subscribe so you can get in there um (laughs) you gotta subscribe you gotta subscribe (laughs) for sure um now uh man shavkat ragmanov man this guy he he is 15 and 0, 15 finishes. He is emotionless. Wow. He is like, I think he's the biggest prospect at welterweight right now. You know what I mean? Like who has 15 wins undefeated with 15 finishes? Nobody does. I don't even think Habib did that, right? It's just, we don't see that very often. What did you think of his performance? Because a lot of people thought Harris was going to be the guy to beat him. Yeah, wild. Like if the guy would have gone away and someone would have told him a single line of uh english to yell into the microphone and then walk off boom <laughs> job done he didn't even get he's even reach out for the microphone and was being hit it with the fade i was like oh no keep it shorter keep it shorter someone should have told him keep it short and sweet my guy get one or two lines like do the just bite the come uh the hamza thing and all that which where they just say uh or what do they say oh, send me a location like something like that i smash him i smash him like get some short sweet 
chuck it into the microphone. It's not super difficult. And that guy will be fighting for a title without a doubt. We did these long-winded answers in uh, Kazakh and translated, translated, translated. You've already, you've already lost that, that, um, that click. You just need, you just need the, like the soundbite is so important to, I'm not talking about the people watching the show. I'm talking about the people that don't know about any of this. The people that just, um, which is the majority of people that watch UFC pay-per-views. It's not people that follow the sport. It's not people that watch the breakdowns and are looking for analysis or looking for calculated answers. Like these are the people that go like, oh, bang, see someone fall over, fall over, fall over, fall over. Guy says on the microphone, oh, kill him. Boom, they're clicking. They're going to give you their money. They're going to buy the pay-per-view. They're going to watch the fight. Like that is what you need to do. You know, now that this guy's getting all these knockouts in the UFC, UFC still needs the soundbite to sell the fight. Like Strickland was smart enough last 20 seconds to chuck in the soundbite. That's all that matters. Like a very controlled, dominant performance, controlling the fight with his jab. They can hardly they can hardly chuck. And Strickland knows this. This is why he did it in the last 20 seconds. Because Strickland knows that you can't just throw him throwing 500 jabs on a UFC highlight to promote his next fight. They're gonna take that video of the last 10 seconds of him pointing at the ground and going, let's throw down, let's throw down motherfucker, like let's go. Like they're gonna throw that and they're gonna use that soundbite to promote his next fight. Hands down, without a doubt, he's smart enough to throw that in there. All they need is is a is a 10 second clip and a, and a five second uh, soundbite and you're, and you can sell a pay-per-view and you can be a main event and you can get these big opportunities. Um, it's being aware enough within the sport to be able to to execute those kind of things in, in the high pressure situation. No doubt, man. Um, Dan dropping fucking knowledge, right? Because if you think about it, Max Holloway, right? Before he even won the title, you remember that fight with uh, Ricardo Lamas? Were you, it was he... it was it was a very controlled performance. Like that was a that was a dominant performance by Max Holloway versus uh, Ricardo Lamas. He dominated the fight, but he was very strategic throughout that fight. Like he didn't take any um, unnecessary risks until what the last ten seconds, where yeah. he just pointed at the ground and he was like, "Let's throw down, let's throw down." <laughs> Having full well that. Um, Ricardo Lamas had tried to wrestle him for 15 minutes, had completely, like, Max Holloway was able to stuff, like, I can't remember if he stuffed all the takedowns, but a majority of the takedowns, it was a very um, defensive wrestler, like, offensively trying to wrestle someone and you for long periods of time and you can't get them down is the most tiring thing in the world. He had nothing left in that last 10, 10 seconds where Max Holloway pointed to the ground and said, let's throw down. Lamas is probably standing there like, man, I wish I would have saved the energy for a punch, but I didn't expect this kind of opportunity to come up like this. Like very, very smart, very calculated where he's doing, you know, he didn't do that at the start of the fight. It's not like he he touched gloves, pointed at the ground and said, when Ricardo Lamas has got a fresh overhand ready to go and it's like a 50-50 chance he's going to knock him out. Last 10 seconds after a wrestle-heavy fight, and you've been broken down and you're exhausted to have the energy left for a one-shot knockout punch, 
Very unlikely. Very mm-hmm. unlikely. Same thing as when uh, Strickland starts going on his rant uh, mm-hmm. and and swearing at his opponent and pointing at them and beating them up. It's once he's got his distance. It's once he's um, controlling the fight. It's once he knows that he's taken away all his opponent's dangerous weapons. It's once he's he's controlled the fight. He's shut them down. He's now starting to break them down and beat them up. That's that's when he um, starts mouthing off and and getting those sound bites and and doing that sort of thing because he's taken it from his opponent. He doesn't do it at the start of the fight. That would be silly. It just shows you that Jack Hermanson was still sharp and still hitting hard that late in the fight that um, Strickland was unable to get that that going as early as he would have liked to. Yeah, that you make a great point because we didn't hear Shaw say really much until way late in the fight, right? The last, what, 10 seconds or 15 seconds, he really started mouthing off. But he already knew he won the fight. And, and most likely, if he did get clipped, it wouldn't be as powerful as it was in the early, you know earlier moments of the fight. That's right. And and Max, man, because of that moment, Max had a highlight reel. He, he be, basically become a legend at that moment and then went on to win the featherweight title you know what i mean and then just add it on to his oh, like most people most people just see that clip most most people haven't gone back and watched that entire fight they just see that clip and they're just like man this guy's wild this guy points down at the ground and he says let's throw down let's swing like let's go at it like no I, there's a time and place for it there's a time and place for everything you don't you don't do that after you touch gloves with a guy you do that once you've poked all the air out of his tires he's he's exhausted he's running on flats and then you give him an opportunity um to come into the fight it's smart it's calculated with with shavkat man he's clearly extremely talented but yes you do need that x factor you do need that little sound bite like you said you know i mean he could finish a hundred fights but if you don't, you know, get on the mic and say, you know, like a like a Habib before Habib really spoke that much English, he's just like send a location. You know, what I mean, that doesn't even really make yeah, any yeah. sense. But you know what he's talking about. You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, like something simple, short, and sweet. There are definitely already, um, like it's definitely already out there. Like the blueprint, the blueprint for him is out there. Um, yeah, he just needs he just he's got highlights now. He just needs the sound bite and he'll be able to move his way up onto pay-per-view cards and and be in a position where he can get better contracts and better opponents and and shots at the shots at like the upper echelon of the division. And uh going back to uh Sean Strickland and in, in his post-fight interview, you know what I mean? Like he had one of the funniest lines, man. That was another sound bite from from that from that fight he said you know without the fans i'd be a piece of shit but now i'm a piece of shit with money that's like that's gold right like who says that right like what do you think of his persona man like how he's come out of his shell in the last couple of years in the last couple of fights and and just kind of like putting it all out there for everybody and saying like this is me you know i mean this because i don't think it's a character it's not a colby Covington type of situation right now no that's definitely that's definitely him and i feel like I feel like even if fans don't uh, like like him personally, they they appreciate it when someone is being genuine. I feel like that's that's one of the things that like pisses the fans off when they find out you're being 
very ingenuine with your persona like that pisses people off more than anything so i feel like him being himself that's cool like that's very cool whether you love him or hate him like he's he's absolutely being himself and that i feel like even if you don't like him you have to respect because he's going out there and he's not putting on a persona like the pers- yeah that's a very that's a very strange thing to me the 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 persona because then that that shows to me like if someone's creating a persona and i understand it to self fights like don't get me wrong it's the way that people are if something nothing adds like nothing gets people to click nothing gets people's attention like agitating them something that that's that came up in um when all that facebook data was getting dropped like everything on your news feed the most things that you click on is stuff that aggravates you or stuff that angers you nothing draws you in like something that angers you so if you see colby Covington wearing the trump hat and that pisses you off like you're gonna be like man i'm gonna click i'm gonna watch i'm gonna see what he said like that intrigues people more than anything else but i feel like on a personal level to be like that insecure about who you genuinely are shows like a huge weakness to just be like if i be myself everyone's gonna hate me that is terrible like there'll be some people there's some people that love sean strickland not everyone hates sean strickland and i'm sure of it but yeah it's cool to see a guy go out there just be comfortable in his own skin um say the things that he wants to say and and to truly just be genuine and not care not absolutely not care what anyone has to say about him it's very it's very cool to see definitely cool what have your interactions been with been like with uh sean strickland you were out in vegas for a while yeah like saw him around vegas um yeah nothing just bumped into him at the pi shake hands how you going bud uh that's like that's all there is to it i feel like with i feel like with every fighter there's a there's like a level of of mutual respect like we're all we're all like going for the same thing no real um yeah like we're hardly he's hardly gonna try and take my head like we're not in the same weight class like we're not about to fight or anything like that so there's no there's no tension there or anything like that so there's no real need for him to to be tense or or something like that so no like no i got no ill words to say about that guy the the ufcpi is an interesting place man because it's a place where all the fighters go and you know certain fighters don't like certain fighters you know certain fighters are from certain camps they don't like this guy you know like i don't see colby ever going to the ufc pi and having like a a a, a good time you know because there's a lot of people that he has offended over the years what have, is it a weird place for you or do you feel anything do you, have you ever seen any tension in the pi between people is it is it or is it like a place where everybody can just be like all right we're all fighters let's just you know it's a neutral ground right here um I don't know that's like a mixed question because i have seen like tension and people have some like kind of awkward um like looking at each other out of the corner of their eyes me personally i couldn't care less about it like that i'll i'll walk around that place like smiling and stealing drinks and and doing all of that like i got no i got no like care in the world i like it's different to me that's not that's not like real conflict 
if we say if I say something on Twitter and you're offended and like if you come up to me and you say, Dan, you said this, let's go have a fight in the car park. Like, yeah, that's fine with me. We can go outside and have a fight in the car park. That's absolutely no like it's never happened, but there's no problem. Like to to be in the position that we're in, um, and to make it all into that way, to make it like all that way, you really can't be truly that mentality like truly like that level of a gangster you know or truly that level of a badass that you're just gonna go up and and punch it like that's just stupid that's just silly stuff like everyone everyone at the pi like understands that this is business and that you you represent a promotion you represent the sport and that if you do something stupid like that you do one stupid thing you could completely sacrifice you just walk up and blind shot someone at the pi that's your career done and dusted I feel like um, international fighters, especially, and a lot of young fighters, need to understand that there's a lot of there's a lot of American-based fighters with criminal history, or like Derek Lewis has been to prison and things like that. As an international fighter, you can't look at that and be like, "Oh, he's been to prison. I can be a bit of a badass and then get in the UFC." Like. Nah, you ain't getting into the US with any kind of criminal conviction. Like if you're a young MMA fighter who doesn't have a green card and a US passport, you have to be very selective and very careful about the people that you associate with and the things that you do. If you're just, man, if you get a drugs charge or an assault charge or anything like that in New Zealand, then try to get yourself into Canada, try to get yourself into the US it it ain't happening it ain't happening your p1 visa is not getting approved my friend so i just feel like it's it's not like that like we see a lot of stuff on twitter and we see a lot of stuff like that but truly i feel like it's not it's not real tension to me it's not real we're just fighters but and also businessmen there's no there's no just fighters anymore i feel like that time that time has more than passed. Yeah, the street fighter mentality is—it's done, man. Well, like you like tank, you tank Abbott. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine a UFC. Imagine a, a imagine there's a performance institute at like UFC 40. That would have been that would have been an absolute mess. Like tank Abbott, like rolling up twenty beers deep to the PI, just taking it over, sitting in the spar and just punching everyone out. Do they have beers at the PI? I wish. Nah. No <laughs> they don't. All right. Just, just, I just wonder, you know, maybe they got some healthy beers or something. Oh, that'd be, it ain't, it ain't like the, uh, well, they got it on the, um, there's an open bar at the, the Ultimate Fighter, right? Okay. Ultimate Fighter TV show has like, absolutely, like, I don't think they give those kids a deck of cards, but they have a fully stocked liquor cabinet there's like a fully stocked alcohol cabinet they're just asking for trouble i'm surprised like more stuff doesn't happen like it used to happen in like the chris lieben days and that but yeah. i feel like it's i feel like i feel like the liquor the, the last couple of seasons of the ultimate fighter the liquor cabinet has has stayed has stayed firmly locked yeah well i think those fighters watch the early ultimate fighters and saw what happens <laughs> you know? like, i want to be that guy they're like oh, i don't want to be known as that yeah you don't want to be bro. low as, yeah let exactly bang, yeah you don't want you want to be the let me bang bro guy you know what i mean he has it like he's a complete completely insane a, individual 
he has a he's tattoo. Getting the, he's getting the. He's fighting Mike Perry, BKFC. That's right. That's a that's good right. fight, yeah. man. I heard some guys are getting some crazy money fighting in their bare knuckle. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just saw Chad Mendes. He's talking about he's getting paid in total with sponsors more money than Francis Ngannou's purse. So. You know, good for them, man. If if you're able to go mm. over there and make money, go make money while you can, because you don't know when mm. this will last, how long it will last, right? We've seen promotions come and go, drop big cash, and then next thing you know, they're just we seen affliction. We saw affliction, right? Affliction came and went real we quick. Did. And they we were did. supposed to be the the competitor of the UFC, and they didn't last at all. Tim Silva, that was the last one, eh? Tim Silva Fedor. Exactly, right? Um, Andre Olaski fought on that too, and Josh Barnett. Yeah. They're throwing some big cash to the big names. It was, it was, a, good show. It was, it was. a good show. It was a good show, but, but those yeah. guys, they got. It's a know. good show, but obviously, <laughs> it's it's a whole different kettle of fish trying to run a business. Just being in in like Las Vegas and seeing the PI, and like knowing knowing all the people that work there, just because you know them by like first like all the people that work there and. The, PR department and travel and things like that. Like you get to know these people, so you get to understand like how big of a machine the UFC is. Like it's just a it's an incredibly large operation to get all of that stuff moving mm -hmm. into the into the level where it's such a well oiled machine. Um, I've never seen any other promotion like anywhere near anywhere near that that much of a well oiled machine. Yeah, man, it's a lot of people, they don't know, man. They don't know what it takes. And when you start to go to like the lower level of promotions and see what, what's going on over there and like one guy has like 15 jobs and it's just, it's just chaos, man. It's chaos. So um, anyways, let's move down on the card, man. Uh, any, any, any fights that like kind of stood out, stood out to you, Dan, on this card? You know, of course the, um, the Rosa Peterson card was, uh, fight was pretty crazy these guys they just i interviewed both of them ahead of the fight and both of them were like we're gonna fight and that's it or did they just... get did they get fight of the night that must have no idea they they've had to but the thing is peterson he missed weight by four pounds so he can't get any bonus no matter what i've seen it yeah right? man, i've seen him in real life like he's not like a big like Rosa's like a pretty big 45er yeah, yeah he's yeah, very he's tall not, he, he's not uh and that's the second time in a row that he doesn't make yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, that's the second Something, time. Yeah. What do you do well, with yeah, a like, guy like that? Like if he's missed weight second time in a row, he won the last fight, and but he beat Chase Hooper, which is not really, you know, it's a win, right? And he comes in and loses a split decision in a war. It, do you give him a chance? You know what I mean? Like, do you make him go up a weight class? What 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 kind of decisions that I don't think he yeah I don't I don't think he could I don't think yeah. he he like he definitely doesn't have the frame um to be a fifty five er I I don't know like I don't know what he's doing outside of fight week but it needs to get sorted out like there's really um it's it's hard because there are some like Charles and Clint at the UFC like those guys that is their job their job. 24 7 you can you can i have the numbers on my phone i could message clint i could message charles and they will message me back and answer my questions or send me meals or tell me what i should eat or what i should drink fight week it's all taken care of like they take care of absolutely charles will come to your room 
and help you in the bath and that, like make sure everything is is going the way it should be going so it's really yeah that's difficult for me to understand like what exactly is is going on there but to like do i feel like he needs to be punished further man having like negative having lost out on a fifty thousand dollar bonus would kill me like that would that would grind like that that is punishment enough he, I feel like I feel like he has been adequately punished for that. So I'm not like heaping I'm not heaping like anything on the guy, on the poor kid. Like I feel like um Yeah. Get in touch with Clint, get in touch with Charles, sort it out and and move on to a bright future. Uh Dave is saying that they got fight of the night and then they gave Erosa the other 50k so he got 100k ain't that a yeah yeah badness. that's what happened that's, yeah yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying that's what that's what happens you you uh you you can't win a bonus if, if you miss weight so he's just he's just pissed away fifty thousand dollars erosa could go buy a house now 100k damn for 15 minutes of work man you can go buy a house in america maybe you can't buy mate you couldn't buy a car park here in in, in <laughs> In Auckland, Google Auckland. People always say that. Oh, you know, you must be rich. Google Auckland house price. We got a median. We got a median house price here in, in Auckland for a million bucks. You can't. The average price of a house is over a million dollars here in New Zealand. In where I live in Seoul, the average price of an apartment is a million dollars or more. Wow, it's wow. crazy. Same, same as in. Like New York, like when I was in New York, like no one even no one even owns their apartments over there. It's just too expensive. Yeah, it's Ridic- crazy. I live I live right outside the city, man, in a villa. You know, a villa is like a mini apartment or whatever, and and it's pretty like it's like two hundred fifty thousand something like that for to buy it. You know, what I mean three hundred thousand yeah, to buy yeah. it. So it's pretty insane. Um. Oh, in the first fight of the night, uh, actually not the first fight, the only women's fight, right, b- between uh Alexis Davis and and Storyrenko, up kick, you know what I mean? Storyrenko was on her back trying to hit submissions, and then she hit Davis with the up kick to the face. I'm, I think I'm a type of person that I want up kicks to be legal in, in MMA, in the UFC, in, in the unified rules. What is your take on up kicks? Do you think that they should be legal, or, or do you like it the way it is? That was the only fight, uh, which I didn't think I was training. I was training for my I was training for my fight. So I had to uh, watch the start of the show, took off to the gym, got some training in, uh, tried to catch the rest of the fights after. That's that's the only fight I didn't see. So she was one of them was grounded and got up kicked or Yeah. She was on uh, what is it? Uh, Storyenko was on her back and she up kicked Davis in the face and then the ref stopped it. It's not he didn't stop the fight, but he stopped the action and said like, you know, you can't do that. I think up kicks should be legal. What do you think? I have absolutely no problem with up kicks being legal. Um, soccer kick, I'm, I'm, I'm like toss and turn. I, 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 I turn and throw. Like personally, like personally, I would love it if a soccer kicks were legal. Like I've won a fight with soccer kicks. Um, the weirdest one was how one fc changed it this is like the weirdest one they had soccer kicks legal then the rule changed where it's you had to get your soccer kick 
approved by the referee before he mm. could throw it. And now this rule blew absolutely blew my mind. Because if you have the time to have hurt someone, that you have enough time to turn to the referee and ask the referee, can I kick this guy in the face? Like, the the fight should probably be solved. And then yeah. once they brought that rule in, all that was happening is that guys were getting the soccer kicks approved, blowing someone's head off, and essentially, essentially the fight was over. Like, very rarely does a, you could go back in the history of MMA when soccer kicks are legal, like, very rarely does a soccer kick change the course of a fight. This is why I'm not that fussed that it's not legal. Even though I would love to kick someone in the head in like a savage myself way, I feel like that personally, that would be incredible. Like I would love it. I don't feel like it's, it adds that much to the fight. It's not like guys are having super close fights, is back and forward scramble, and then a guy gets soccer kicked and it turns the course of the fight. That in the history of soccer kicks is generally not how soccer kicks play out. Generally, soccer kicks are just used to finish and hurt opponent like a guy's exhausted he's injured uh shogun starts jumping over the top of him and stomping his head in or like a guy gets dropped with a punch he turtles up and instead of bending down and and punching the guy you just come around and like soccer kick him so yeah i i would love it if they were legal but i don't i don't feel like they would change mma that much or they would truly change the course of a fight or you know, guys are soccer kick expert. Like, it's not really how the soccer kick was used. It's more just used to save the energy of bending over. You just have to stand there and kick the guy. So I understand why it's why it's not being made legal. Yeah, the the soccer kick, like you said, one championship. That was a weird thing that they did. Uh, I like how Ryzen does it, which is they they kind of. When they make put the fight together in the contract, the rules are stated there. Like soccer kits are legal, elbows are legal, take out the elbows. They kind of every fight is unique in itself. You know what I mean? And I like that. Mm. If you can do that in Japan, do that in Japan. I know in the in a, in the US and they got the unified rules, which they try to follow, you know, unilaterally. So it you know it's hard to change each fight. It just you, like they they make it like that just so the, the sport is like easier to follow yeah, by the people exactly. watching the sport. Um I feel like that's the biggest thing. Like you're showing someone new and imagine it's your first time watching an event and you're watching a Ryzen event. You're just like, oh, that guy just kicked that guy. And then, oh, so he can do that. Oh, no, he can't do this, but he can like, it was very just confusing for your casual fan. Imagine if the, imagine if the NFL had, uh, you, if you play in, if you play in New York, you're allowed to, <laughs> you know, have like a whole different rule set. Like it would be too confusing. It'll be too confusing for a casual consumer of the sport to comprehend that different states allow like different things. So it's easy. I think it's easier for a casual fan if, if the um if yeah if the sport is like unified. Yeah, definitely, it's easier. Yeah, I you know with the soccer kicks, there, another thing that I I've seen in the past is where a guy is on his back and he has his legs up and the the guy that's standing he swings the legs around and then soccer kicks them so there's like this momentum both ways where your head is spinning towards his leg and your leg is headed like full soccer kick to his head which is like extremely devastating but that i think that's what you're talking about right that would be something that that, that would be like you know like Mortal Kombat style, like finish him, you know what I mean? In, in oh, cool. Like I, yeah, I, I love, 
I love the idea of it. I feel like it, <laughs> it's it's like a nostalgic thing. Like I love pride. I love all of that. So it's it's a very yeah. The soccer kick's like a pure thing. It's like a raw thing. It's a very nostalgic thing for me. But yeah, in like a legitimate practical term, I don't feel like it changes the course of the fight. For sure. And uh, for the people in the chat, if if we passed up your question, just put your question back in the chat because you know like the questions are coming down i can't go back and scroll up you know i mean it's just too much multitasking going on but it's all on question. him it's all on <laughs> him i don't have i don't have no questions i can't see the questions i can't pick your question all right so we got a I'm question not taking for you. responsibility <laughs> for any of the questions exactly it's not that it's me so you could you could hate tweet me all you want it's all good i don't read it anyways uh you feel like that might be why japanese mma fighters tend to do worse in u.s do you think that's the reason that their rules are different and they're used to training under those rules that when they go over to the u.s that they per they don't perform as well i don't i don't think so in my opinion nah nah that that's not it um that's definitely not it just Japanese MMA needs to be uh, appreciated for itself. But I have a huge respect for like the Japanese spot. They, I don't know, they their whole mantra around mixed martial arts and fighting and why you fight and like a different, is a complete, there's a whole different complete understanding of the sport over there. I feel like it's uh, in Japan, it's like a very respect based thing and, and you prove more by just showing your heart as a fighter. I feel like that over anything else in Japanese martial arts is, is respected. And it doesn't, I just feel like their style of martial arts is its own unique style. And it just doesn't translate to like the USC form very well. It's, it's the same thing in my opinion as, um, you know, Thai boxing is Thai boxing. Muay Thai is Muay Thai. Like Muay Thai in Thailand is like its own, its own different thing, and it has its own different under, level of understanding and respect within the culture. Like, and then you throw them in a K1 fight, and it's uh, three three-minute rounds, and you just go balls to the wall as hard as you can, and whoever lands the most strikes or knocks the other guy out wins. Like that's not generally how like Muay Thai in Thailand is fought. Like the first round is just like a everyone it's like an agreement that. That's where we have like a feeling out process, like get the range down. And then if a fighter has clearly, it's a five round fight and one fighter has clearly won rounds one to round four. Round five, he will, uh, in traditional Muay Thai, like that guy will coast. Yeah. The guy winning the fight will, will coast, will pull back and they won't inflict, if he's got the fight won, he won't inflict any more damage on his opponent because it's unnecessary. He's already won the fight. He doesn't need to kill the guy. He doesn't need to put any more damage. He's already proven that he's the better fighter. So there's no need to know. And that is like a, a hard thing to comprehend for, uh, you know, your average UFC fan. Like you explain that to them that, oh, well, Muay Thai, like if a guy's winning the fight, the fifth round, he doesn't try to hurt the guy. You'd be like, what? But how does he get the $50,000 bonus if he doesn't knock the guy's head? So there's like different parts of it. And I feel like Japanese MMA is the exact same thing. There's a lot of, it's a lot more of just a respect-based culture mm -hmm. and just it doesn't translate well. So I don't, yeah, it's not because of the different rules or anything like that. It's just a uh, different understanding and their reasons for fighting mixed martial arts 
are a lot different than why a fighter would start fighting mixed martial arts um, if they were based in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cov- I've been covering Japanese MMA for a while, for many years, and I went over there for a Ryzen show. The You know, the last show where they had Bellator and Ryzen together when Fedor fought Rampage, I was there for that. That was crazy. But yeah, wow. Japanese MMA respect to it because like say like a, a re, that today's fight between uh julian rosa and uh steven peterson that, that's what japanese mma wants if you go out there and fight your heart out you'll get re-signed automatically you know what i mean they'll want you back yeah. it's not about win or lose you know what i mean it's, it's not about yeah mean. yeah it's it definitely MMA is not about win or lose like as you go out there and and show your heart but yeah like it's a crazy because i fought in japan um i fought in japan I think it was my second UFC fight. I went over and fought in Japan. And it was like the funniest fight. Me and uh, Maximo Blanco. We were like, it was a great, like we were punching each other's heads off. And it was like crazy. But then like he would get a takedown and he would pass the side control. And you just hear this from the crowd. It was like a uniform clap. And they were all clapping. And because when I was walking out for my fight and I'm just like locked in the zone and like looking, I didn't think anyone was there because it was so quiet. And then, like, I look up, and no, it was a, it was a, it was a, the Saitama Super Arena, and it was yeah. a packed, it was like a packed house. But they, they all just sitting there, like, nice and quiet. We punching each other's heads off. I'm getting hit with things, cuts, everything. The crowd's not that into it. Get a takedown, pass the side control, or I did a like a scramble back to my feet, like a very technical move. And they're all just like, oh wow, and they're all that clapping in unison and it's just yeah a different different um it's just a whole different kettle of fish i i think it's it's the best thing ever i feel like japanese mma is is the walkouts the show yeah. uh the the no weight limit when they, they got a mm. 70 kilo <laughs> guy fighting a 200 kilo guy absolutely incredible that is what the sport needs more that's what the ufc needs more of. we need more we need just more old school, wild, wild shit. Take it back to the Cowboys. Definitely, back to the definitely. Cowboy days. Definitely. Um, since you know you're you're in the featherweight division now, you know you're you're re- recharging your batteries over there. Um, Max Holloway, right? Like they they just cleared him medically <laughs> to train again. Isn't that a weird situation, right? They he was taken off the fight against Volk, then they put the zombie in there. And then now he's medically cleared and ends up being the backup for the Korean zombie versus Volk. What, what do you, what do you think of that whole situation that's going on right there? Yeah, that's weird, right? That's weird. Like, like, yeah, well, the contract must already be signed between uh, Korean <laughs> yeah. zombie and Volk. Like, that's the only, that's the only logical reason why they couldn't just be like, oh no, he's come back. We'll just switch it or. Yeah, like that's a that's a very weird situation. But yeah, like that's the belt tied up for the next for this year, I guess. Like by the time that by the time that the winner of Korean Zombie and Vault gets done, they get some time to recover. Mm-hmm. That fight gets rebooked. Then there's a probably Vault versus Holloway for that fight, and then that they take some time off. Like that's the title is now locked up for 2022 which is very good for me that means there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of guys <laughs> there's a lot of guys in that in that top five after Arnold Allen who are kind of just sitting around and twiddling their thumbs and have no real 
no real excuse to to not accept a fight. So yeah, everything everything has its pros and cons. Every situation. Uh, Coot Magoot, I love the name Coot Magoot. Coot Magoot. Um, yeah, can we get a Hangman versus Dustin Poirier again? What do you think? What's the percentage of that happening again? You think? Oh, I would do it for sure. For sure. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that was a great fight. I was having too much fun in that fight. Um, yeah, count me in. Count me in. We'll see. All right. Uh, uh, Jitin. Oh, Jitin. Dan, the man, Big. he's a big fan. Tell us about the last bar brawl you were in, in NZ. Is there anything you could tell us legal, like that won't get you in uh, legal prob- trouble or anything? I'm trying to think now. Yeah, that was a very um. Nah, don't like so far. I'll go out if I'm in like Las Vegas. I'll go out. If I'm somewhere else, I'll go out. But if I'm in if I'm in New Zealand, I uh, I don't go out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to town. You've seen you've seen Israel out with his uh big poly, is seven foot tall, hundred and sixty kilo uh bodyguard. He rolls around Auckland with and um. Yeah, I don't really go out. I haven't really been to town in in Auckland since I was a bouncer. Since mm-hmm. I was being like a, a a dormant bouncer in in Auckland, so that's like that's like years ago, right? That's like before I was even the UFC. I haven't been out in Auckland, so it'd be a very long time since I've been in any any kind of wild nightclub brawls. When you were a bouncer, was that when you were? Like walking around over two hundred pounds. Were you ever walking around over? You were walking around over two hundred pounds before, right? Oh, I have, but now, like bouncer, uh, when I was bouncing, I would have been fighting it. Uh, mainly, mainly just fighting at lightweight. So I was pretty. I don't know. People just give you like some some pretty funny looks. Like you're just like they walk past you like real drunk, and they're like kind of looking for trouble, and then they catch you out of the corner of their eye, and they're just like. Like a seventy kilo skinny, skinny white guy standing there, and he's just like, he's probably not standing there for no reason. They, <laughs> the last person they want to kick their ass is a is a skinny white guy. That's a that's a bad story to go home and tell your mates. Like, oh, it's easy to go. But, oh, these these nine guys, these nine massive guys beat me up. You don't want to go home and say, oh, the skinny white guy beat the shit out of me. That's the last thing you want to tell your mates. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the last thing for sure. And uh, and David Sadin, he said, I thought Dan fought at heavyweight once. Is is that true? I fought a heavyweight. <laughs> I was not. I fought. Yeah, I fought. Uh, I fought at featherweight two weeks. Two weeks before that fight. I've talked. I've talked about that story. Yeah. I've talked about that story. But yeah, nah, yeah, it was like a heavyweight at my gym was supposed to be like the main event on our gym was putting on a show that weekend. And then he, he like broke his hand like a few days out. I think it was like Wednesday before the fight. Mm-hmm. So my coach was like all pissed off that um, the main event was gone and that our guy had to pull out with a broken hand. And I said, oh, he was just pissed off about it. That I was like, well, how much does he weigh? I said, I'll take the fight. And he's like, oh, I think he was like 100, close to 130 kilos. I was like eight. I would have been like eighty, like eighty-three, eighty-three, eighty, eighty. Yeah, mid eighties, low, low mid eighties. All right, Dave. 
Dan, who do you think is a great first fight for you at featherweight? Well, he's fighting Arnold Allen. Arnold on, Allen. Yeah, that's Arnold a Allen's like, come on, Dave. Get out of the play, mate. I'm fighting <laughs> Arnold Allen. Uh, I'm in the middle of my training camp right now for March 19th. I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to sit on that plane for four days. And I'm going to arrive in London. Nah, it's a pretty long flight. I, think, I believe it's like 30 hours flight time. Yeah, that's that's insane. And especially with COVID, flights have become much longer. You know what I mean? It's hard to uh, it's hard to get direct flights anywhere either. You know I think, yeah, you can't. Mate, they don't, they don't fill a plane with enough fuel to go from Auckland to London. There's not a plane in the world... <laughs> That can make that old trip, so we're gonna stop. I think I think you can go through. Uh, I think we we'll go through Singapore. Mm-hmm. I think it's Singapore and Singapore. I can go to London. Um, Todd, what's up, Todd? Next Kiwi to look out for in the UFC. Uh, oh, there are a couple. There are a couple. There's Blood Diamond making his UFC debut. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's next weekend. That's the next one, Blood Diamond. Uh, you know, multiple, multiple New Zealand and Australasian kickboxing and Muay Thai champion, um, undefeated in MMA. So he's he's got a big future. I would say unsigned guys, definitely Brogan Anderson has his hand up for next. He's a middleweight. I believe it's a six-fight win streak that he's currently riding. Um, majority of the win streak is, is finished and he's... Yeah, he's ranked in the top couple in Australasia, like pound for pound, so unsigned. So I feel like Brogan Anderson is definitely head and shoulders up there. Another guy, Matt Vale from from Hamilton, I believe he's the Viper. eleven and two, the Viper, eleven and two as a professional. That's another guy that um, will do some very big things once he gets uh, himself to the UFC. So there's there's a couple of names for you to go away and research. Yeah, man, Brogan Anderson, Matt Vale. I've been watching them for a few years, just doing damage and on the regional scene mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, they they eventually gonna get their shot. Uh, let's go back to uh, Blood Diamond, man. Next weekend, three of your teammates are gonna be fighting at UFC 271. Let's start with Blood Diamond. He's gonna make his UFC debut. A lot of people just look at his record and see three and zero, but to be honest, he's been in that kickboxing world for a long time. You know, a champion in, in many different promotions. You know, what can you tell us about his MMA game? You've been in training camp with him, so you know really well who he is. Yeah, wild, wild. Like, yeah, people can look at the um, mixed martial arts record and make whatever they want to make from that, that it's only three fights, but he's had, I think it's like 80 or 90 fights. Like, that is a ridiculous amount of fights. So pretty much, pretty much Blood Diamond, and like Israel's path is is like virtually identical. Like they fought New Zealand, fifty fights, fifty fights. Went over to China, and then were competing on the Chinese circuit, which is like fighting every week, every second week. Um, moving town, fighting another, fighting again, fight like fighting constantly. Um, just getting that ring time up. Like if you compare, like ring time. And you can say the rules, kickboxing, Muay Thai, this, that, MMA. Ring time is ring time. Like depth, like being able to understand that challenge, being able to stay patient, being able to stay 
uh, understanding an opponent and reading an opponent is is a fight is a fight without a doubt, regardless of the skill set. So all of those lessons can be taken from his kickboxing experience and transferred um, directly into his MMA experience. So he's a very experienced fighter, regardless of the the three and um professional MMA record. But yeah, wild. Go and watch his go and watch his highlight reel. Go and go on and YouTube. Do do do. Type in Blood Diamond uh highlights and i'm sure something will come up and you see this guy spinning jumping rolling flying across everywhere if i i couldn't tell you what to expect from this guy it's that wild i have no i have absolutely no idea what he's going to do i have absolutely no idea what he's going to do when i spire him every week he jumps he flies he spins he rolls he does all sorts of wild shit and i'm so excited to see him do it in the ufc yeah, and he has a perfect dance partner too. You know, what I mean, his first dance partner was a decent matchup, but this one, this guy's gonna stand and throw heavy against uh, Blood Diamond. And like you said, Blood Diamond is unpredictable. He's wild, and fight and fight fans are gonna love his style. You know, what I mean, it's all gas, no breaks with Blood Diamond, right? It's yeah, he's like uh, he's definitely water. He's definitely water. <laughs> like he he moves around you and he he no timing no reads impossible to read he's so it's so cool to see a fighter like that at a level like that you know um i'm so excited to see him fight like you have absolutely no idea like the, the potential things that this man might do in this fight rolling thunder we haven't seen many rolling thunders and spinning kicks and jumping flying scissor knees like he's he's wild trust me um moving on you got uh carlos carlos oberg he's gonna you know enter the ufc into the octagon once again um how, how has he how he's been looking you know what i mean he i think he suffered his first loss in his last fight in the in the octagon so he's coming back um what do you see from him Oh, gun, like absolute gun. Like there's very few physical specimens like that. Uh, there's very few athletes like that which have um, not been taken by rugby or football or basketball or something like that and have chosen fighting. Like he is an incredible physical specimen. I feel like that last fight was it purely just came down to, to experience. Um, you know, it was a very very early on in his mixed martial arts career he did have a professional boxing career and kickboxing career he was a multiple king of the ring champion but definitely not the same experience level as like israel or brad riddell or blood diamond or something like that so i feel like um that was just like an eye-opener for him just being in the ufc cage uh and he's definitely bounced back from that like he's come back hungrier than ever he's come back incredibly motivated and Man, Eugene's just been grinding those boys. Like once I got back and was just like watching, like watching that, it was so. Oh, I love it! I love it! I love, I love, like the noises tired people make. I love the the sounds they make. I love the look on their face when they're exhausted and they're just like, oh, like it's my. It just gives me so much life and so much energy to see that kind of thing. And there was a lot of it between those three guys, like. 
you just put up like the picture of them all after their last workout, like all yeah. like pretty much crumpled messes on the ground. And I was there, they were. That's like legit. There's like none of that was staged. Like Eugene just got just pushed them to that point where they're just absolutely shattered and they can't pick themselves up off the ground. So it's like incredible to see them push their body to that limit. And there's no way that you test yourself like that in the gym and then you don't go out in the cage and push yourself to that exact same limit. Like they're that's where they're I'm so excited because all three of them, like that's where they are prepared to go. They are prepared to push their body to the absolute breaking limit. And that is what gets me most excited about my teammates fighting. Man, it's uh yeah, I've been watching the 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 fight camp videos that Israel's been putting out and also, you know, been checking out the social media posts by all the fighters. And yeah, these guys have been in an in intense, intense camp. You know, what I mean, if you don't realize the type of camp that the city kickboxing boys go through, just go and watch Israel's, you know, recaps of his fight his fight camp. It's pretty insane. And Dan knows best, you know what I mean? Like that video that <laughs> And that video, like, yeah, just like being stuck at a washing machine. It's like, (laughs) so we go like your last, your last nine weeks before you fight is is seven days a week. You do seven weeks. You don't have a day off for over two months. Like you actually, I'm in, because I'm in the middle of it right now, but I actually, I absolutely love the feeling. Like you're just actually, you're actually stuck in a washing machine. I don't even look up to see what day it is. Like I just... I just know there's a session in the morning and a session in the afternoon and there's time to get to work. It's it's like uh yeah, hyperbaric time chamber. That's that's all you can compare it to. Like one week in the city boxing training camp is like is like six months in a in a different gym. The, is there anybody else in the gym that enjoys the fight camp, the grueling fight camp as much as you? At City Kick. Oh, they all do. They all do. Okay. They all do. You just kinda you just I don't know. Maybe they just don't admit it. They just don't admit it to themselves. Like, I will miss this. I will miss um once it's all said and done, like I will miss this more than anything. Like it's it's just you're pushing your you're pushing yourself mentally and physically to like the absolute extreme. Every single week, like right until up until that point where you're just like going to mentally and physically break, you push yourself every week to that point. Like that, that is something that that you'll miss. Like I can't even remember where I got it from, but it's that's why when people say, "Oh, you you know you're lost, you you lost your last fight, you got submitted, you must be depressed and dragging your feet and this and that," like to a certain extent. The longer the longer you sit and and lick your wounds and and cry about your life, like it's like crying over spilled milk. The only person that that is going to negatively impact is you. The longer you sit and cry about it and be upset, the only people that are winning are the people that don't want you to win. That's the only person that's going to affect. The best thing to do is just get back out there because once this is all said and done and your career is finished. I'm gonna miss that feeling as much as I miss winning. Like it's it's that it's that roller coaster ride. It's the depths of defeat where you're just like, no, nah, like it just hurts so bad. And that thrill of the victory, like both of them. I love I love the wins and and I will even I will even miss the losses when I'm retired. 
because it's very hard to emulate that kind of feeling um in life it is it is and uh i got some news i won't announce it now dan knows but in the coming Ooh. weeks i would announce it and and you know it, it has to do with what dan is talking about we'll talk about it in the future but uh uh random uh are we doing the show next week of course we're doing the show next week it's a weekly show it's going to be after every ufc event this is the first Unless episode dan is fighting. yeah this is the first we episode did this, we did this episode to make sure that we understand that we're clicking all the right buttons and then you can hear us and we we didn't fuck any of it up. We didn't fuck we didn't fuck any of it up. You've been listening to the whole show. We don't make no mistakes. Exactly. I feel like this, we is, I feel like this has gone smooth. This has gone this has been a very this has been an incredibly smooth show. Smooth operator, man. Smooth operator. And uh let's see, let's see. Uh oh, we gotta talk about Israel, man. Of course, you know, he's got his title fight coming up. He's gonna be fighting robert whitaker again a lot of people believe like since it's in neutral ground now it's going to be a different fight robert whitaker is going to come in with a different game plan a lot of people are focusing on the wrestling aspect and i remember robert did an interview a couple of days ago talking about if it was that easy to take down israel then somebody would have already done it and and beat him that way you know what i mean it's really fucking hard to take him down to keep him down it's really hard. and you know best man like a lot of people really feel are. like if, if that's the only path to victory, then is Robert kind of fucked? You know what I mean? Because it's 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 hard to see someone out striking Israel, right? It's incredibly hard to see yeah. someone out striking Israel. Just like we were talking about with Blood Time, like that that amount of ring time, that amount, that amount of That amount of understanding of the game, like having having that much experience within our sport is like absolutely incredible. It's like, um, you know, once you get to the UFC and you're in the top echelon, like say, let's say you've only ever fought, like myself, only ever fought like professional MMA and then you fight your first guy of a certain style. Imagine it's like the first time you're fighting a, a like a Dustin Poirier, like a pressure, a pressure fighting boxer southpaw. You're having to do that in the main event of a UFC. Like, that's the first time you've ever seen that. But you go back into, like, Israel's catalog. He can go back into his 100 kickboxing fights and be like, oh, I've fought a, a heavy punching southpaw pressure fighter eight times. Well, I can refer to my uh, history of that and how I dealt with that and what I learned from those eight times take it into that main event and so it's a whole different level of experience and i would say that to like young fighters because the game has completely evolved like my debut professional mma you just can't do that these days like if you're a young fighter get as much experience as you can fighting amateur mma fighting amateur boxing fighting in jiu-jitsu tournaments fighting in in amateur kickboxing fights like have as many fights as you possibly can so that your catalog of understanding of the sport is a mile long so then when you get into these um positions where you're fighting for opportunities at million dollar contracts that you have all of that experience and can and can pick and choose from that database and get the result like it's uh the proof is on the pudding mm -hmm. like look at look at how israel is has dominated his division so what do you see in this fight, though? It's a rematch, right? So Robert, he's a very cerebral guy. He's very talented, very skilled. Um, so he's going to come with something different. I believe he'll come with something different. 
and Israel is will, he? you know, do what he needs to do. So what do you see is, in this fight? Like, he? how do you see it playing out? Yeah. Is I don't he? know. Like, what, what from, so from his last fight with Israel to this fight, like, what has he done different? And what has he shown in any of those other fights that he hadn't shown leading into the first fight? He's just been more effective, I think, in his last couple of fights. Just more effective with the same stuff. That exactly, work. exactly. Uh, one thing that sticks out to me that he didn't use or he hasn't used in a long time is the the the, the teat to the top of the knee. You know, he used to do that. He used to use that against uh, like Romero and in his title fights. He yeah. used that a lot, but he just stopped doing it for some reason. And I just thought like, if you can do it, why would you not utilize that that weapon, you know? You, you you understand? Yeah, that. like from 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 what uh, like I'm not part of the like I'm just a fighter. Like I'm not part of the the coaches' discussions yeah. or anything like that. But I've heard like Eugene talk about it on a um another interview, and he was like, they didn't even get to the game plan. Like Israel, and he has that authority just to mm-hmm. autonomously like change the game plan. He saw something, you know, the, the counter punching, the check hook, the, the, and he saw that hole in um, the game and threw that on the fly. So from what Eugene's saying, like they didn't even implement the game plan in that fight. So they still have a completely unused game plan for Rob, which they hadn't used yet, which they have a great opportunity in the rematch to go back and revisit that game plan. Um, which is all there, was all would have been effective regardless. But, you know, is he called an audible? And it worked very well. But there's like a whole game plan that hasn't even been used yet. So, yeah, we're excited to see how how that preparation plays out. Yeah, definitely. You know, like you said, he called an audible. If he didn't use the game plan, that means he has three game, more, three more game plans, right? Like, Eugene is a genius for a reason and you guys fully trust in him for a reason. So, you know, I mean, like it's going to be a crazy fight. We'll watch that fight. We're going to be back next week and uh, break down all the action and get Dan's reactions to his teammates fights and, and whatever else went down during the show. Oh, Ty Tuavasa is back. He's has a huge opportunity versus Derek Lewis, man. That's an insane fight. And you know, Ty pretty well, right? He's a, He's one of those guys, right? He's one of those guys. He's a he's like a fighter, fighter, right? He's a fighter's fighter. Yeah, like he's kind of like you just want to punch the other guy's head off. Like there's a it's a combat sports is incredibly yeah, it's like a match of two polar opposites. Like it's both incredibly detailed to to me. It's like playing um, chess. You got a chessboard there, and then you're playing like a just flipping a coin at the side like that's that's always there or like a game of a game of snap if you play snap with uh, cards so it's like an incredibly simple game running simultaneously as an incredibly complex game and it's like you need to be aware of both because you could be about to win the chess match which has taken five hours and then the other guy snap bang and then one flip of a card has completely changed the course of the fight but that's why it's it's why you crazy people watch the stupid sport, and it's why we are so entertained every single weekend. 
All right, Dan, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me. We'll be back next week, everybody watching. Make sure you subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back and, and do this again one more time. And it went smooth, so we'll be smooth again. Thank you.